Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 697 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we have a lot of PlayStation news to talk about this week, so without further ado, I think we should jump right into it. Uh, We're joined this week by Brian Altana. PlayStation News. And Max Scoville. Yes, it's back, the news, (laughs) the facts about the world of the PlayStation. (laughs) We're we're off to the races. I love it. Uh, no, there, there's actually quite a bit to talk about this week, uh, including some surprising uh, turns by Sony, uh, some leaked information about maybe uh, a Sony PlayStation Pass, but not a Game Pass that you might be expecting, uh, some initial thoughts on Returnal and a lot more. But uh, let's jump in with the, uh, the biggest decision of the week that Sony has publicly made, uh, which is that they have announced that they are reversing course on the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita stores and they will continue to sell games on those stores uh after all uh jim ryan in a blog post on the playstation blog uh announced that they they reversed course uh by saying quote upon further reflection however it's clear that we made the wrong decision here so today i'm happy to announce that we will be keeping the playstation store operational for ps3 and ps vita devices uh psp will also will be closed though on july 2nd as planned uh when we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for ps3 and vita it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are already playing. We see now that there are many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future, so I'm glad we are able to find a solution to continue operations. Um, So I wanted to bring this piece up and, and get your feelings on it. I think there's this is, I think, a, I think we can all agree, a good move. Uh, you know, uh, a few weeks back, Brian, we definitely were refraining about how this just sucked, uh, yeah. th- this decision. Uh, I think it comes with some caveats that we can get into, uh, but I, I appreciate seeing this because I like, especially in an era where, you know, Xbox, I think, pretty, pretty dominantly and regularly is a voice on social media is like there there is an xbox social voice and like a a platform that we hear from them there's phil spencer that we look to and all these things playstation doesn't really have that right now and so when we get these more human moments like after the ps5 pre-release debacle where they put out a tweet and we're like yeah we messed up we're sorry about that and something like this i like i wish we saw more of that because i like when they show that there are humans behind these decisions yeah, I think you're completely right. Um, there has obviously been a lot of discussion about this. Uh, we were very vocal about um, why this sucked. And I think it's like the the big thing was that like, it, I, I'm pers- I personally don't have these old systems hooked up. I'm not rushing to re-download those games, but there's millions of people that do. And I think it's important to speak on behalf of those people, um, to have empathy for those people. Like this is not like, uh, you know, I don't think this is the the saving grace for the future of classic games on PlayStation. In fact, this sort of leads me to believe that maybe they don't have a backup plan for this stuff. But in the interim, like this is awesome news. And it's also proof that like, you know, I don't I don't want to say that like complaining works or that it's worth, you know, uh, protesting every single thing that a company does or having fan petitions for everything. I think that, you know, that can get a little dangerous here and there. But in this situation, people threw a fit and it worked like this is in the same way that a couple of weeks ago. You know, there was that rumor going around or no, I think Xbox specifically said, hey, we're raising the price of uh, games with gold and everyone threw a fit. And then they came around the next day and said, uh, sorry, you, you didn't like that. We're not going to do that. 
it's important to do that. And I think like a lot of people told us, um, what are you making a big deal about this for? Who cares? Sony obviously ignored those people, which is great because those people can shut up. And I'm glad that they listened to the people who said, I want to keep buying classic games. Uh, and they made it easier for them because, you know, people were trying to download these games or having trouble accessing the store. Uh, there was like a lot of problems that people were having with like sort of connecting and purchasing these old games again. Uh, people just want like a console that has a bunch of old stuff on it that they can play. Where they don't have to worry about DRM and Internet connectivity and batteries and all this other stuff. You know, it, we, we are all like kind of mild doomsday preppers when it comes to digital hoarding. And we want we want to be able to play our old games. So I'm really happy they did this. This is awesome. I hope it's a step forward for the future where they can bring more of their old games to uh, modern platforms. Yeah, and uh, Max, I know you weren't around for when we we had sort of the initial beats of these, but I'm definitely curious to hear how you felt about like this reversal sort of situation. Well, I mean, yeah, there's the ongoing discussion about sort of archival of games and how it's it, how do you, how do you legally play old games? You know, like if they're hard to track down, if the original costs a, a million bucks, like the the obvious solution to that should be like legal ways to purchase things digitally. And uh, it's really cool to see Microsoft doing that and being like, hey, you want to buy like you know original Xbox games? We're doing everything we can to port that stuff over. Uh, you know, make it you know more accessible to people. And I don't know. I feel like Sony especially has like a, a rockier track record in terms of backwards compatibility, which kind of compounds the issue further. Um, having stuff on digital is, uh, I guess one way to circumvent that, but like, I don't know, there's a handful of games that you, you currently, if you like actually sit down and kind of, you know, do the research it like really good, really good games that you, you cannot legally play except on like PS3 or Vita. Like, I think we did that. We looked into that at one point and it was like the best way to play Metal Gear Solid is either aside from, you know, pirating it or, or, you know, getting the PC version or whatever is the PlayStation classic, which is not a good way to play it. or getting it on PS3, like the original PlayStation 1 version. And it's like, that's such a, you know, important game. It's kind of crazy to me that they would even consider being like, well, there's no, there's no alternative, you know? Like if they, if they had an alternative sorted out, then great. But like, just to completely shut down an entire sort of corner of, you know, that, that infrastructure, it seems like, you know, a little bit short-sighted so i'm glad they reversed that mm -hmm. for sure yeah it, it's a weird situation because I, the, there is there's so much not just of the playstation 3 era locked to the vita and ps3 but also those classics because they they did such an effort to bring ps1 and ps2 uh you know digital downloads as an available thing on the ps3 but but you look at things especially within just i i think we talked about this a, a few weeks back but within even just like the playstation uh you know history we're we're on the cusp of a new Ratchet and Clank. And if people are relatively new to Ratchet and Clank, it's like you can play the PS4 one and subscribe to PS Now to play some of the old ones, but not all of them. Otherwise, you need to have a PS3 or a PS Vita. Um, and it, it things like the infamous franchise you can't really get on PS4, the Resistance franchise people love, Metal Gear Solid 4, things are just locked to that system mostly. Um, yeah. And go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just gonna PS now. I think it's a it's a decent make good for for now, no pun intended. But um, it still does the have the barrier of a lot of the games are locked to streaming only, yep. which means that you you need a pretty decent internet, which you know much of the world still doesn't have at that level yet. So um, I, I think it's like there are some Metal Gears on there. There are ways to play them. Uh, I, I think people just like having a game downloaded that they can play. Yeah, it, I I think the the important thing about this, and I, I think what we're we're all responsible for to a certain extent and, and brian i do want to point to what you were saying about how like 
you know, there can definitely be ways where conversations around these sort of like fan movements go wrong. I th- and I'm sure there were people who, when this announcement came out, were like, I want to go like uh, I'm going to go yell at all of the Sony devs and and much worse things that, you know, I don't even want to say because people can go a little overboard on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely, you know, bad tones of conversation that can happen. But I feel like the general tone was again, not to keep coming back to it, but this just sucks. Like it was a general, a genuine sadness that I think everyone had at this news. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, and I th- like we, a bunch of us got called like Xbox fanboys for pointing out that uh, old games are cool because, you know, Xbox has had this like sort of like concurrent uh, ideology of, of, of preserving older games. And that's a part due to the architecture of their backwards compatibility. But it's also because it's just, you know, I and I'll say this, I don't think they have a ton of modern games uh, pumped out constantly. So they're they're sort of like a quantity over over quality company. And I, I think PlayStation has a has both. You know, there's a lot of like really awesome classic PlayStation games and I hope they keep coming back. Um, like it, it's crazy to me that this story keeps popping up. I know people are sick of hearing about it, but I wanted to speak on what you said earlier about the sort of the brand having a bit of a human identity. Um, that's a tough sort of like tightrope to walk on, right? It's a tough totally. balancing act. Yeah. But I do think you're right. Like there, we we don't have a Sean Layden anymore, and uh, like Herman Hulse is you know very busy. I, I think quietly toiling way behind the scenes and, you know, Shuhei doesn't pop up very often. We've got Jim Ryan who has been, you know, uh, I, I think uh, maligned by a lot of the audience recently. Uh, if you look at even yesterday, not to get political, but the, you know, the Derek Chauvin trial happened and PlayStation chimed in. Like, I think that I don't think it's necessary for a brand to chime in on every political, you know, scenario. I think a lot of people want to keep those things separate, but I personally think it was cool to see, something like that happen for them to sort of like have their finger on the pulse of something that's like a little bit more human. There's a lot of intersection between so so racial disparities in gaming. There's a lot of racism that happens in online gaming. I think it's important to have that conversation. And I think it's important that they were at the forefront of it. I think it's great that they can come out and say, hey, we're sorry we screwed up about this thing or we messed up pre-orders or, you know, we listened to your feedback. Like that's what people are looking for. Now. No, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. Like it's it is yeah. saying, yes, this thing is on. And yes, we hear you. Um, yeah. It's also I mean, yeah. going back to the game side of things, we just got Astro's Playroom, which had this entire wonderful like victory lap of all the history of PlayStation stuff and there's all these you know you go and collect all these old systems you go and get the vita you you know you get the adapters for the psp and all this stuff (laughs) it's kind of messed up that that comes out and be like oh you're feeling all these things oh you recreated the playstation 2 intro that sound brings me back and then they're like yeah, no, we're uh, we're um, they didn't pay their power bill. We're cutting them off. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, we we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago too. That like that game is an absolute love letter to the the deep history and and the oddities too, the failures along the way that created the the PlayStation brand that we know and love today. And that was to me one of the you know flagship sort of launch softwares for the for the PS5. It's the best selling PS5 game, um, <laughs> and to to take that and sort of just like brush it aside instead of you know cherish this the foundation and the history that that brought you to where you are um was crazy to me so i hope i hope we kind of see a little bit of a renaissance around that like i I totally get them wanting to move forward and wanting to like be like hey look at the shiny sexy new things but like you can't like you can't maintain a, a a fandom and a community around if you if you ignore that entirely 
you know yeah. yeah like that's why bands do reunion tours that's why you know like you know greatest hits tours or whatever like that's why you know i i wouldn't even call it straight up nostalgia in this case it's more like just having you know having these fundamental things available like not just yeah. being like oh that's our you know this that was this a juvenile also... crime we'll put it under the record or whatever <laughs> go ahead brian no, I was just going to say real quick, these like tiny releases like that, uh, just drag, you know, not I don't, I don't want to say dragging and dropping because it's obviously a lot more work than that. But taking a classic vintage PlayStation game and throwing it on PS Plus or just putting it out as part of the stay, you know, play at home initiative, anything like that is the thing you do in those like quiet winter months between, you know, Miles Morales and Demon Souls and Returnal and Ratchet and Clank and all the other big tentpole games like I, I like that idea of having the system not just be something that is designed to play flagship AAA first party games and like, you know, uh, you know, the best third party games and stuff like that, but also like, you know, kind of peppering the experience between these big things with little snacks that are classic mm -hmm. games that we that we, we grew up playing. We had that weird stretch on uh, on PS4 where they started dropping in some like old PS2 games and it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't yeah. like remasters. It was just like, oh, hey, like you can get, you know star wars bounty hunter or racer revenge or whatever and it was like mm -hmm. it seemed like that was the beginning of something new or something or like that was going to be the norm or they were going to start kind of being like hey we're just we're slowly making sure the archive works on here we're moving it over you know that ps3 is complicated because of cell architecture or whatever but here's the ps2 stuff and then it just stopped and it just disappeared like we don't have that anymore and it's i don't know meanwhile over on the xbox side of things they're like Hey, everybody, uh, here's an Indiana Jones game from when you were in high school. Have fun. There's a new one coming <laughs> mm -hmm. eventually. Well, and yeah. and speaking to that, like the there was definitely an era in like the middle of the PS4 where like the Jack and Daxter games were available and Psychonauts came out. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy these games. They have trophies, but also I, I want to play these games. And it's um, I totally had that same thought of like, oh, maybe they are doing this thing. And at the end of the day, like this initial decision, it's very clear from what Jim Ryan was saying, like was made because it was a money thing. And, you know, I'm probably it probably didn't hurt that uh, the dedicated PlayStation fans immediately went and bought as many PS3 and Vita games as they could. They probably were like, oh, we can keep that going for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, like as cynical as it is, it's like th there's so much history there that we can't access. But if you made it available even to rebuy, like at this point, I'm at like from PlayStation, I'm asking to go the nintendo route and make me rebuy my childhood because like at this point i think backward compatibility for those previous gens feels like a lost cause i i yes i hope that's not the case but it feels like it and so if you put up all these classics like i would buy them and and just to circle back to the beginning of this before we move on um like again i think this decision is great to see and it is thanks to i think the pressure that you know a, a passionate fandom did put on in i think a relatively respectful manner here but the thing is there's no like the language that's used is this is not in perpetuity this is not forever there was not and we're figuring out a way to bring these games to the ps5 or even the ps4 like this is a stopgap temporary extension essentially and yeah. at the end of the day they are still going to close those doors and at least for now we don't know if they have a but also we're going to do this and i like the lack of a but here's what else we're going to do is i think the thing that worries me the most because at the end of the day i'm happy to see this and i'm happy that people still have a chance and don't, I, I literally bought a Vita charging cable because I couldn't find mine over the weekend so that I could buy games just in case. And then, of course, this happened. But um, mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where, like, it that's going to be an announcement later on in the future. Like, we're going to get these stores shutting down. And yeah. I, I just hope we find uh, a workaround. Again, as, as Brian was saying, PS Now 
is potentially the place to go, but we we don't even have an indication of where that's mm-hmm. going. Sorry, I mean, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say, like, I remember hearing that the when the PlayStation Two, I think it was. I don't know if it was ended production or if it like ended support, whatever the official term for basically they're like, we're putting you know, the final nails in that coffin that is no longer a thing that we're supporting. You can still buy them plenty. They're out there. There's tons of them. You can, I'm sure there's people you know selling used games and all that. The key difference is that was entirely physical games and hardware and everything. And in this case, like it's digital. So it's entirely ephemeral. Like it, it's, it's I feel like it's almost on them to kind of maintain that in, unless there's and there's not there's no way that some some third part like good old games isn't something going to be compatible with like your ps3 like you're not gonna be able to like hey i'm gonna download this old game from you know from 1998 because i feel like it and it's not the money isn't going directly to sony like they have complete ownership of that and you know it's this it's the same we see this deal with nintendo but they're much better about like putting out older stuff or being like hey you're gonna buy it again because you love it um but i i the internet side of things is really weird like we've seen like we've seen huge chunks of sort of, I don't know, internet culture sort of evaporate um, because that's how the internet works. It's kind of a shifting, you know, sand dune of 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 content. But it sucks when it with games specifically because like that's a that's that's an art form. That's a medium. That's a huge like a huge chunk of history that effectively you know is gonna is gonna disappear. Um, and there's gonna be no like simple way of of retrieving that stuff. Mm-hmm. I yeah. totally agree. Um, the, I think that there's a there's sort of a a fallacy that uh, th- these efforts um, take away resources from development of new products, and I, I I think that's fundamentally untrue. I mean, there's no it's not like Horizon Two is going to be a smaller game because somebody at Sony has figured out a way to port a Ratchet and Clank game, right? Like I I, I don't think it's it's not like that. It's not like you're laying everything on the table and you're like we can only make what we can make out of these things. Um, Hey, Mark Cerny, yeah. can you take a break from the PlayStation 6 you're prototyping and uh, help us um, yeah, uh, port over uh, Shadow Tower or whatever? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, that and like to what you mentioned before, Jonathan, I, I think that like it's not just about backwards compatibility. A lot of people bring that up and they go, oh, if you look at the statistics on, on BC, it's not actually used all the time. And it's one of those things people fight for, but then don't actually utilize. Um, that's not necessarily, I think, the only method. I think that we've weirdly conflated this conversation to be just around backwards compatibility, which I think is a door that's been closed for Sony uh, for some time now. And like we mentioned a couple weeks ago, mostly do the around the elephant in the room, which is the PS3's sort of weird cell architecture, which was <laughs> sort of uh, a pain in the ass for everyone to deal with. But there are other ways to play games on a console that aren't just, you know, native backwards compatibility. And like you said, Nintendo, you know, resells them to you. They also put some on their Nintendo online. Like I, I, I wouldn't be against buying a bunch of PS1 games for five or seven bucks each. You know, um, we'll see. I, I feel like we talk about this story a lot. And uh, I'm glad that it's the gift that keeps giving and that like Sony's come around on it. Um, I want to see what's next. I want to see what the future of the past uh, mm-hmm. means for Sony, you know, because hopefully they, they do have a solution. Done do we have any new games to talk about? We do. Like a, nothing. Yeah. None at all. <laughs> they yeah, making I mean, those these days? I've, <laughs> been playing, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy one, the original game. Uh, you know, no, uh, we do in fact have a new game to talk about, uh, because I have played a bit of Returnal, uh, and so has Simon Carty. And so I would encourage you to definitely go to IGN.com. Simon, uh, turned around a really great preview for Returnal. Uh, it's a written and video preview, so you can check it out on IGN as well as YouTube. Uh, Does he he like it? 
he does. He does quite a bit. And I, yes. I share a lot of similar feelings with him. Uh, I was going to say he he said I could if I wanted to read it word for word. Uh, but I prefer Simon's voice to my own. And so I don't want to butcher his words with my voice. So I'm just going to talk a about. He has a better British accent than you do. He definitely sure. does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine is just an Austin Powers riff. So I mean, yeah, it's definitely better. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I, I have played a little bit of Returnal. Uh, I can only talk about some of the like early, early good of it and uh again definitely recommend checking out simon's piece uh I'll, I'll give sort of my like brief overview and then if you guys have any questions about it uh please feel free to ask but i do <laughs> it's it's so far i really really like it um it yes. is it is initially giving me so like hades was my game of the year last year i am not a huge roguelike person typically uh there there need to be hooks that keep me going that keep me interested in it otherwise even if there's some mechanical stuff that carries over if there's not more of a through line i kind of get bored with roguelikes very quickly and here there is a pretty good blend so far of the mysteries of what the hell is going on with Celine, the astronaut you play, as well as uh, Atropos, the alien world you're on. Um, and, you know, I'm still so early on, so much of it is still a mystery, but like I, I've died now a couple times, as you're supposed to, and I, I want to keep going to find out more about this world, not just um, because I feel like I have to. Like, I, re I really am enjoying the loop of discovering more about this world. And part of that is due to like, Obviously, we've seen from trailers and stuff. This is such a blatant love letter to, for me, the two things that it feels like is like if Metroid developers could make a modern day Metroid that was completely in love with Alien, like if they could just really lean into the to, I, I knew this was probably going to, you know, be the, the buzzwords to get you guys on board. Yeah. But yeah, it feels so much like a a little bit of a modern day Metroid mixed with, you know, a clear love of Alien. And uh, I... Like, I love being in this world already. It's so spooky and gross, and you can hear the aliens in the distance occasionally, and you're like, you're both fearing of stepping forward, but knowing you have to, but also wanting to. It's that really great combination of, like, uh, fear, but the impulse to keep exploring, pushing you on. Um, the thing about uh, the gameplay, it, it takes, I think, Housemark's sort of traditional arcade-style shooting and adapts it pretty well so far to... Uh, third person action uh you can you can you know aim down the sights or just free fire aim uh the game is pretty generous in letting you as your free, free fire aiming still uh be able to keep your eye on enemies and everything um the the only sort of weapons i've gotten to go with so far are like a a, a pistol a carbine and a, a shotgun essentially but each of them can have different uh attributes they can have different uh special alt firing weapons and some of those are like you shoot a bomb that explodes or you shoot these uh, like a line of horizontal blasts that start ricocheting all around the room until they hit enemies. There, there's like a, a bunch of different things that you can randomly come upon because essentially the only thing you start out with at every run is your pistol. And then from there, you get what you get as the, as the, the runs go on. There, There is equipment and abilities, like you get the ability to sort of like fast travel from certain locations to the next that, that carries through. And so there are mechanical things that do carry through. Um, but, uh, before I get too deep in the weeds on that stuff, and if you guys have questions on that, it'll probably help steer me. The, sure. the, the one thing I absolutely want to call out that I am like in love with is this is a PS5 exclusive and it is immediately making use to me of really fun ways, the dual sense and the 3d audio. Like if you, if you have the option to play if you have a PS5, of course, and you have headphones that work well with the 3d audio, play this with headphones. It is so 
so immersive in that sense of like i was saying like you hear the creepy aliens moving around you you hear the foliage moving as you go past it uh the rain and the way it falls down on the planet um is it, it feels like it's coming all, all around you mixed with the dual sense feeling like rain kind of like it did in astro's playroom uh but it does this really cool thing where you're typically playing in third person if you hit the touchpad to go into the menu uh it brings you into sort of celine's like map view and and like her her data bank and everything with the presumption in my head that you're looking through her eyes so you're in first person and so the rain suddenly gets muffled and it's it's like it's hitting her helmet and it's a little bit more okay it it goes a little bit more quiet and like softer not softer but like the thuds are more noticeable whereas when you're in this pulled out view the rain is much more all around you and more encompassing and and so it's it's using little tricks like that it's using um there's an opening cutscene where when Selena is first crash landing, the way the lightning ripples both around you in the audio and through the controller or an asteroid spins by your ship and you hear the audio of it going past you. Like it's using all those little, little tricks that are, you know, we've talked about like what's a gimmick and what what's immersive. You could fundamentally play the game without those things and you'd still be playing a very good game, but it just so absorbs you into the world. Like from minute one, I was like, oh, I just want to, I want to be in this world. It reminds me a lot of the um, sort of elemental visor details that they tucked into Metroid Prime, where it's like, this is yep. not the reason I'm playing this game, but this brings so much atmosphere to the table. I wanted to ask you, um, so I, I think I realized like that I really like roguelites and roguelikes. And it's one of those things where I was, I'm, oh, I've always been like a, I prefer deliberate level design over sort of like chaotic, spur of the moment, procedurally generated stuff. Um, but more and more i just dump tons and tons of hours into games like undermine and dead cells and hades and i'm like oh i guess this is my jam like i didn't even realize this but a thing that really hooks me about those games is there is that notion of like i drop into this hole i do everything i can i die but i do bring some stuff up back to the surface that sort of lets my character grow and evolve and build and upgrade and i find new weapons and items or when i go back down i feel a little bit more powerful a little bit more equipped to take on whatever's next and kind of like go deeper and deeper in, into the hole uh is that is that like kind of a loop that you feel like at the core of returnal is is there like does that does that grab you in the way like it, it does with a great roguelike Totally. I think there is I like I think I'm only scratching the surface of it. And again, I'm I'm still really early on and can only talk about that early stuff. So I'm I'm curious to see how it goes through. Um, but yeah, essentially, so what happens is every time you die, you end up back at uh Celine's crash site and your ship is there, and you can go into the ship, check out your database, uh, and also take on daily challenges, which are apparently in there, but I haven't I haven't gotten to take a look at and and this sort of you have this repository of information, which to go back to like the Metroid uh, analog reminds me a lot of Metroid Prime and wanting to scan everything to learn about this world. Like, you know, audio logs and, and scanning things is a dime a dozen in games, but I think the way it's it's integrated here works really well and, and keeps me wanting to know about those little tidbits. Um, like I said, your, your arsenal, like your weapons, those are things that you are picking up as you go. Uh, but so far, like in the the footage that's on the screen right now for video viewers, I'll describe it. Uh, Celine like is in her typical sort of like space setup. At one point, you'll get uh, basically an augment from like uh, alien technology that just is then permanently on her suit and will permanently be with you. So there, there are things that you will be permanently picking up. It's not weapons per se, uh, but I do get the sense that there will be um bits of it that that do carry through the whole time uh and i i, I want to know what those are more because I, i'm definitely with you i love when they 
connect you through to that. And I think that's going to be what changes this from, oh, I'll play this for 10 hours to I'll play this for 50 hours sort of thing. You know? Right. Um, and so I've only scratched the surface of that, but it, it does feel like there is enough there. There, there are things like you pick up a currency to uh you know add more health per run or add more weapon proficiency per run that stuff resets uh if you pick up keys to unlock certain doors those reset but like both your knowledge of the world um certain abilities like that thing that i was mentioning on the back that essentially gives you the ability to uh to transport from all these hot spots that appear throughout the world so the second you earn that ability you just now have that ability which becomes really useful to get to like hidden rooms or to you know maybe tougher boss battles or to find more chests that are hidden throughout the area that's a thing that you just have forever um so those will be there and those will affect it how interesting the future ones are the future ones uh are i don't know but my, i'm mm. hopeful enough based on what i've seen for sure how's the how's the game structured exactly is it sort of like different like chambers do you you mentioned starting out at the ship is it sort of like what how does that work how does the layout yeah, so you're so you're always starting out at the ship, and uh, there's essentially different biomes you'll be going through. I think for the preview purposes, we can only talk to the first two biomes. And uh, Simon had a luckier run than I did. He he beat the boss on his first main run through of the first biome. Um, I did not get so lucky, but uh, so he's he's seen a little bit more than I have. But essentially. Um, you'll always have a mini map and then a, a map that you can pull up at any time. Um, that's pretty handy and you go from from room to room it's it is a better version of the map from jedi fallen order if that makes sense it's sort of presented in that like 3d like which old computer which was a, look. a worse version of the map from metroid Prime. <laughs> exactly so we're, we're we're on the curve again we're back toward the metroid Prime <laughs> map it's it's much more easy to navigate this map to find where you're going to find what you want um and so I, like as you can see in any video footage you you usually have a mini map in the in the lower right hand corner and that will give you a hint of um certain key things like health pickups and like that currency that i mentioned that lets you uh, augment and upgrade your stuff per run uh you'll know where doors uh both side essentially like side chambers versus your main chambers are because it, you're on the hunt once you've crash landed you're searching for this signal broadcast and so selene is always following toward that but there are obviously other permutations and other hallways that will appear as you go and you'll see uh things like right now on the mini map there there's sort of like a, a little bit of like uh lines in a in a little pocket of a room that you can see uh that form this sort of diamond that that's like a point of interest that you might want to go find and maybe that's a um a thing that you can teleport with or maybe that is a like reserve of a lot of that currency or that you know that alien the the alien resin that you need to upgrade things uh because you do eventually early on in here get a melee ability and that's a thing that remains permanent as well like i didn't have that on my first run or two and then i eventually made it far enough and so then that immediately lets you also open different doors and and uh in that sort of metroidvania ask like get to other chests that you couldn't unlock before and so there's this good sense of progression and finding your way through it I, like i've never felt lost in looking through all these rooms or going through it i feel like i can both take my time in a given room and really search through it but also keep going and be like oh i can always go back there because you always have a sense of where you've been how um how deep does it feel because i get the sense that they're they're trying to tell a story but at the same time that's kind of at odds with the sort of arcadey bullet hell thing they're also throwing at you and then the, this the roguelite side of it which is sort of just i i never know how roguish something is going to be you know yeah that that's the thing that i think it might be 
a little too early to say, if only because like, so obviously it's been in the trailers and I've, I've seen one, you pop into uh, Celine's childhood or, or, you know, old home on Earth is here uh, randomly in, in the environment you'll come across it sometimes. And it's locked, though, so when you get to it. So you have to go find a key to unlock it somewhere in the, the environment. So you could technically ignore that. Like, that's not the main quest to go find the signal. You could sort of bypass some of that stuff if you want. Again, a lot of stuff is audio logs and data bank entries. Uh, you're also uncovering bits of this alien, the xenoglyph language to be able to uh, interpret uh, you know, scrawlings on some of the stones that you pass by, you could ignore a lot of that stuff if you want. So if you do just want to run and gun your way through and fight these crazy, you know, like tentacled alien monsters, you can totally do that. I'm really enjoying the like stopping and taking time to find all this stuff and like really search in like it, it's it's playing to that Metroidvania completionist side of my brain. Um, but if I wasn't doing that, you would still have, I think, a pretty fun Housemark arcade game. Uh, with a little bit more platforming, if that makes sense. Um, I just want to say how incredibly awesome it is to see Housemark work on what is absolutely their most ambitious game yet after the last few years where there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding that studio. There was a lot of sort of frankly depressing, very public interviews where they weren't sure about what was next. I think that like their core philosophy of making just like gorgeous, crazy arcade shooters that have like interesting and unique modernized twists um, wasn't necessarily connecting on a, you know, multi-million sales record uh, sort of scenario. And so they were doing interviews saying like, hey, we might have to like make some crappy mobile games to keep, mm, yeah. keep the lights on. And it's just so cool to see them do this to go from, okay, like we, we, we did a lot of shmups and we did a lot of like top-down shooters and, you know, stuff like Rezogun, which I sort of played with the entire kind of sphere, you know, conal approach to this now, which is just like insane. Like this is totally on a, on a, a whole nother level from anything they've ever made. And that's, that's a really awesome success story. I, I hope people support this game. Uh, um, and not just because there's, you know, not a ton of new stuff on PS5 right now, but because it looks awesome and it's unique. And this is the sort of like this is a, this is a fantastic and admirable sort of evolution of what uh, a studio has been working towards for so long. So that's that kicks ass, man. The way my chair currently is situated, situated, I feel like I'm I'm your your guys's son who's just like, I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about games, you guys. So uh, we actually got you that chair because we have an important announcement. You are our son. <gasps> and we're really proud of you, Jonathan. Oh. I'm disappointed. Oh, he's the I mean, angry one. You keep me humble. I, appre I appreciate it, Pa. Uh, thank you uh, to everyone who sat through you. This may not matter to you on the on the watching side, or it might, but uh, we had some technical difficulties, uh, so we're just joining back in. Uh, if you're watching the video version, we are now on video. We apologize. We we unfortunately uh, lost the video version. The the returnal footage was just too pretty to show, yeah. uh, and so our recording system said no, thank you. You did um, miss the first half of the show. We all did the show in the nude. No, but you could only see us from the neck up, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> Who's to say uh, one of us isn't bottomless right now? You cannot tell anymore. There are no rules uh, in 2021. I'm, I'm Winnie the Pooh in it right now. Okay, okay anyway. Before we get before we get an FTC takedown, uh, Max, you were talking a little bit about Returnal before. Yeah, the, so I was going to say, like, my sort of thing with with uh, with Housemark Games is I'm. I, you know, typically go to sort of like interactive worlds to explore or like narrative stuff. And they that's usually at odds with sort of the arcadey approach to things. And like I definitely messed with uh, Rezogun a fair amount, which is fun. But 
uh, I find that I don't get I don't get like as hooked on that. And I realize that some people are like, you're not a gamer. And it's like, well, OK, I'm after some sort of <laughs> different type of interactive experience. I don't know what to tell you. And it seems like uh, with Returnal, they're definitely putting way more of an emphasis on the sort of, I guess, the uh, character story world side of things. And I'm really curious about that. I'm just wondering if it's going to click or not. Um, and I mean, the, the, part of the thing is also like it, with games that are, you know, super arcadey roguelike is like you can't you can't always see the bottom. You know, and it's like, is it a game right. that you're going to beat or is it a game you're just going to kind of peter out on? Yeah, it's it, that's definitely, I think, one of the biggest questions for me is just how deep will this experience go? And as I was saying, like, I can definitely see myself playing for, you know, five or six more hours easily. But will I play for 30 or 40? I don't quite know yet, but I hope so. It gives me a lot of hope. You mentioned the DualSense and the 3D audio stuff. How are the load times? Because that's obviously the big thing the PS5 is supposed to be good at super quick so far like the game runs really smoothly um and looks gorgeous like we were saying before particle effects and everything is something we know housemark for and that that translates to this game but just in a a prettier more refined environment um like the the time from dying to being back into sort of the the crash sequence is pretty immediate like i have you, you just asking me made me realize I have not even recognized that there were load times. So if the if they exist, and obviously I'll go back and check, but they were uh, extraordinarily quick um, when you're doing the sort of like fast travel teleporting thing. There's essentially like an animation of you using the alien technology and then it cuts to you at the other location and it's it's pretty near instant. Um, so so far it's been uh, a breeze and, and that's that's essential for something like this, because if you're hung up in between runs if you're if you're waiting for a load you're gonna stop very quickly but this does this has not caused that whatsoever um so yeah uh definitely as i said go check out simon's written and video preview they're really really great uh and give you a great snapshot of returnal and i'm excited to uh talk about this one more um game's out in like a week right yeah april 30th so uh yeah coming up really soon and it is uh the start of i think of a bit more of a cadence of big releases that are coming out so we're gonna have a lot to talk about in the next few weeks uh but moving on from there uh, i briefly wanted to mention news going out uh the day that we're recording this uh there is a new partnership that playstation has announced with a company called probably monsters and specifically uh firewalk studios within this company uh so probably monsters is a a group that was formed a few years back and they have three studios uh and firewalk studios is working on a triple a uh you know massive multiplayer game uh, not mmo necessarily but just a huge multiplayer experience uh and sony has announced that they are going to be the uh publishing partner for this and uh you know essentially the exclusive publishing partner for this game uh what this game is isn't announced just yet uh but firewalk has a ton of uh pedigree to it despite being a name you probably haven't heard before um it includes a ton of people including the leadership of the studio being people from uh bungie with uh, uh destiny devs in there there's also devs from call of duty apex legends uh halo mass effect there's there is a lot of uh you know talent clearly at the studio uh, a cool thing that when i was researching this team uh and probably monsters overall is that they um they are very also focused on a sustainable dev environment and obviously that can sound like a lot of buzzwords but like a core part of their identity and i actually did an interview with a few of the leads of the studio as well as herman holst which you can read on ign right now uh they were talking a lot about 
like for them and you know the studio they've been incubating and working on things since like 2018 2017 somewhere in there they they've really been about put like putting the devs and their 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 health first um and you know obviously in a, in an era where crunch is uh, a constant discussion point for some of the biggest games that's a very very nice thing to say and of course putting that into practice is what matters most uh and so i'm excited to see where the studio goes from here because certainly talking to them i i get the sense that they are very they're very much in a like they they one want the devs to feel like this is an encouraging safe environment but also want to make sure they're working on stuff they actually like working on um which is a pretty good combination of things and as silly and obvious as that might sound it's nice to hear that sort of at the forefront of what that studio is about um they're they're less so uh when I, when i spoke to their leads it was less so like we want to turn the the multiplayer experience on its head and do something like never before like obviously they want to do big things but their their approach to talking about things was always from the developer side of it first and um i i appreciated hearing that message from them um and hearing about that uh as for as for this partnership again just wanted to mention um go check out my interview with uh herman holst uh first time i've actually gotten to speak with him as well as the lead to the studio it was a really great chat sort of about why this partnership made sense and i kind of wanted to bring this up just because i think like right now playstation is in a really weird multiplayer situation um i don't know how you guys feel but um i i sort of asked them like yeah, and specifically Herman, I was like, you know, th there are multiplayer games within the Sony first party studios. We know that Naughty Dog is working on something multiplayer. Gran Turismo obviously has multiplayer. Um, but beyond that, it hasn't been as big of a focus. So why this? And they said that what brought them and probably Monsters together and Firewalk specifically is that they're both really interested in storytelling within that space. Uh, and obviously, Sony first party studios are very focused on storytelling and so um what the team wants to do not just in telling the story of this world that they're creating in this ip but also to let players tell that story is is like paramount to them for what they want to build um that's a lot of like high level talk i realize um and obviously leaves both of you guys sort of uh like well i'll, I'll read the interview but it's it's more uh, i wanted to point that out just for people to go check that out and also just to bring it up like it, it's weird because I feel like multiplayer on PlayStation, like we've seen experiments in the past, like Mag on PS3, or obviously SOCOM was bigger back in the day. Um, stuff like PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale came out. But right now, multiplayer hasn't been a huge paramount to PlayStation Studios. Um, so I'm curious what you guys feel about them seeking partnerships to kind of bring that into the space. Good. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Um... yeah. Yeah. You know, not my not my go to uh, sort of genre or game style or anything like that. I'm I'm very happy with their their, you know, catalog of story driven cinematic third person action adventure games starring sad fathers. I'm way into that. That's awesome. <laughs> I connect with a lot of those things. Um, but the uh, the I think the, the the greater industry at large and consumers in general uh, gravitate towards multiplayer spend tons of money on them um it's obviously a risky thing because you want to make a game that people will connect with for a very long time and i think there's a finite amount of games that people can play like that uh but then again if you look at something like outriders right like that connected with a lot of people you can play through the entire game with a single player campaign but you can also squat up with your friends and go grind for loot into the end game for dozens and dozens of dozens of hours um it looks like it sold well on mpd 
So I'm I'm into I'm into something like that. Like I I hope that they can create a lot of things that kind of bridge that gap that aren't just like purely multiplayer, but stuff where like a, a couple of us can get together and and play through a big game like that. Um, I I dig it. I mean, as you can tell by that probably like deafening pause that resulted in you saying go for it. I thought you were talking <laughs> to me. I was like, okay, I guess I'll talk about multiplayer. Um, no, with, the, with this, what I hear here when they're saying they want to tell stories through multiplayer is. Um, games as a service like they want to build ecosystems for people to to exist in as opposed to being like here's a, a box you go out and buy it's 60 bucks you play it until you get sick of it like they want to have obviously the that that loop that keeps people coming back that's kind of the name of the game right now um and you know it's not always just uh like we've seen call of duty like warzone for instance go from being like yeah 100 people get dropped in and 99 of them die and the other one gets a new gun or whatever it goes from that to being like all right, we got some, we're going to have some like ATV races. You can just hang out with a friend to sit on a train, just go around in circles for a while. Like it's become much more of like a social space. Um, obviously, Fortnite does some of that too. Uh, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how uh, storytelling is incorporated into that because, uh, I mean, you, you see that with like the new seasons of Fortnite or, you know, the new seasons of Call of Duty or whatever. They roll out like a little cutscene and you kind of have like some idea of what the, you know, what the world is going through uh i'm curious what they mean when they like we want kind of players to be a part of that obviously players have to be a part of it because if they're not there's it's not a multiplayer game it's just it's just <laughs> exist in a void um it's i don't know it's 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 curious i feel like sony's earlier stuff in terms of um you know multiplayer with the exceptions of i mean i guess like playstation home and maybe dreams has been pretty conventional like you're dropped into a match with other people and you fight them and then it's over. You know, it's not like a consistent right. ongoing thing. So uh, I like that. I mean, it sounds like they're they're kind of not playing it safe, but like kind of taking their time. And, and hopefully it's not just spitting out something that's redundant and designed by committee and a hope to kind of grab, uh, you know, some of the attention of other people who are playing other games. But um, Brian, you hit the nail on the head. Like it's it becomes a, a kind of a battle royale between different different games of like who can like who can, uh, you know, dominate a, a person's attention span? Like, obviously, time is finite. And when you've got, um, you know, I think that was one of the big complaints about like a recent, uh, you know, Destiny expansion was that like it, you have to be a certain level to do the raid, which is the thing that makes it exciting and fun. And that's like an ongoing issue of like you have to basically, you, you know, you have to do you have to do homework to, to do the fun part, which I think some yeah. people are over, you know? Which I, I mean, it always it always leaves me personally in this weird um, sort of like nether world between like, do I like a, a big game like that drops, right? Like Outriders happened and I, I played a bunch uh, before the game launched and I really dug it. And the game came out and everybody was like, it's not loading. It's got problems. And I was like, I'll wait until it's fixed. And then uh, I think it's fixed. But like people either moved on or they're like super high level. And I, I never know the right time to jump in. We like talked a couple of weeks ago about that rumored, you know, Last of Us one remake to coincide with the HBO show. I think that like taking the Last of Us multiplayer and really putting a lot of like effort into it and turning it into something where there's not just, you know, like Max was describing before of like going into a match, winning the match or losing the match, and then the match is over, but creating these, these sort of like events and tentpole moments that are based around narrative and going, Hey, this weekend, there's like, there's a huge horde or there's like this infestation or like a, a new villain is in the, this Seattle coffee shop. We all got to go kill him or something <laughs> like that. You know, um, 
jj abrams is here to show his new film <laughs> some some crap like that like fortnite does a really good job of that uh apex recently announced that they are effectively continuing the story the narrative of titanfall 2 in their multiplayer stuff like that is so cool like taking traditional multiplayer modes and stretching them out so that they create a narrative and a single player story of their own is really really interesting like i i don't check back on these games often but like and, uh, and, and like PUBG was never really like it's it was a little too like sort of aggressively military for me. And I don't know the last time you guys booted that game up, but I loaded it like a week ago just to be like, where are you guys at? And <laughs> I'm in the lobby and, and it's it's basically like it's like dollar store Fortnite at this point. Like there are like there's like clowns running around like actual people in clown. Like the, I, I think they like they started off with like a, a bunch of like kind of gruff military guys, a bunch of ball guys with aviators that look like me. And then uh, now you you jump in there and it's just like nonsense and it's fun, you know, and that's how this sort of like that's how you stretch a game out to to really go on and on and on. And I, I hope that's something we get to see from Sony because they have a lot of universes where it makes sense for them to do stuff like that. And um, I think they're adapting those stories specifically to single player. And like we said before about like finite resources, I don't think that one takes away from the other. There was a, there was a very like mid 2000s approach and philosophy around game design uh that multiplayer modes were only tacked on uh because they needed to to make money because otherwise people would s sell the games and they would take away from the single player campaign and i think we're in a different spot now i think that like a lot of teams especially something like naughty dog wrapped up a huge project last year and now they have a team that's you know a smaller team focusing on last of us multiplayer and they're probably ramping up towards whatever other story they're telling next but yeah, why not go all in on multiplayer and make something really, really cool that single player fans can connect with too? I dig yeah, it. it's um, it's a really interesting space right now, and I, I, I think yeah, what, whatever happens with Naughty Dog's multiplayer experience, I hope we get something from there because I, I loved uh, factions and hope we see something there. But yeah, with, with Firewalk, I, I definitely think speaking to all that stuff that you guys were saying, like the the pedigree of the studio coming from apex and destiny and um uh, you know the, those sorts of multiplayer games that are now really integrating a lot of story in there is exciting to me as someone who dabbles in those as you guys were saying but um i'm always fascinated by hearing about these stories too like I, I think it's also a way to get a wider audience interested in your game even if they don't end up playing it but being aware of it and you know just general awareness can help a lot so i'm i'm really excited to see what uh, comes from the studio we don't sort of have a timeline uh for benchmarks of when when we'll see stuff but uh as i said definitely go check out uh my interview on ign to to learn more about this partnership uh, before we move on, just briefly also wanted to mention because this leak happened and as happens, I assume we're going to probably get an official announcement by the time the show goes up. Uh, but Sony seemed to have accidentally teased a PlayStation Plus video pass. Um, so not a game pass, as many may have hoped, but uh, the PlayStation Poland website uh, added and then quickly removed a banner that showed off this uh, new service that seems to be part of PlayStation Plus, uh, a trial service available for the next year that will allow um, PlayStation Plus users, at least in Poland, according to this, um, to access some films, uh, possibly TV content as well, in addition to whatever PlayStation Plus normally offers them. Uh, the banner showed Venom, Zombieland Double Tap, and Bloodshot, which, quality of any of those films aside, very clearly points to this being a synergy thing with Sony Pictures. Um, and I think them adding you know incentives for reasons to care about playstation plus 
it it's a little funny because it's like, well, p- people kind of want a Game Pass equivalent. This is not that, but this is also something that they can offer that Xbox necessarily can't because Xbox doesn't have a movies and TV wing that's as involved in development because they kind of pushed that away after the Xbox One launch. Obviously, the you know the Halo show is coming and whatnot, but. Um, as we move into an era where we're going to see a lot of these adaptations like the Uncharted movie uh, later this year or next year, whatever it's coming out, The Last of Us show, uh, the Ghost of Tsushima movie, the Twisted Metal show, and probably more things to be announced. Like, this is a smart way of of bringing all that stuff together under one roof for PlayStation fans. It's especially when they're not going to allow you to buy movies and TV from your PlayStation anymore. This seems like probably the the best middle ground for that. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but yeah, no, you're right. This this feels like a sort of direct uh, reaction or response to the news from a couple of weeks ago about sort of sunsetting the those you know movie services. Um, I also think this is huge news for the millions of people all over the planet that forgot that they made a second Zombie Land movie, like I did. <laughs> I saw that and I forgot it existed. Did you really? I, I yeah, I've never place. seen it. No, it's totally one of those like it's they just did it again with other people. It's it's weird. It's, I yeah, completely yeah. forgot about like, that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, airplane or, movie or Bloodshot, which was the last movie kind of to come out in theaters before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right, man. Um, see, I, I this they're in an interesting spot here. If this is the kind of if this does come into fruition, if this is the kind of service that's get gets tacked on to pre existing PlayStation Plus subscriptions as an added value, awesome. Yes, yep. that's exactly yep. what I want in terms of like spinning out yet the umpteenth standalone streaming service from a specific studio no thank you like there's there's i i i want i want the money back that i spent seeing venom in theaters no offense to people who <laughs> i think there's some funny sh- stuff in that movie um but i i don't think that i would spend like eight or twelve bucks a month um watching bloodshot zombie land 2 venom and then i mean hypothetically the spider-man's like everything is such an Spiders illegal Man. minefield. The Spider's Men's. Thank you. Because um, the the Spider-Man movies, the newer ones that are ostensibly connected to the MCU, but not like legally part of the, they're like part of that like Sony Pictures presents a Marvel cinematic <laughs> logo or whatever. Those are going to Netflix. And so I think there was, I don't know if that's like an exclusivity deal or whatever, but that's happening there. Uh, and so they're not on disney plus i i don't want them i don't i i don't want this to be a thing where i just watch sony pictures things like when the when the paramount plus thing happened i kind of groaned but then i was like oh yeah you guys you have like mtv comedy central nickelodeon like there's a lot of access there and i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff under sony's umbrella that i'm totally forgetting but like the twisted metal tv show that doesn't have like a a cast yet or zombie land 2 or Bloodshot, that's not enough for me. But if you just go, hey, you have PlayStation Plus, you can watch Bloodshot for free, then all of a sudden I'm like, that's exactly what Bloodshot's worth. Sure. <laughs> you know, make the value better. You know, that's what a thing I love about Game Pass. It's like they add stuff to it, you know, and it and it makes it better. That's you know that's when you get a, a collector's edition and there's like the big, you know, nice statue, and then there's like the enamel pins, and there's a cloth map, and then there's like five exclusive uh art cards and it's just like yeah. it's just postcards like if they treat the movies like the postcards for playstation plus and it's like yeah you get a triple a game you get a triple a game for playstation 5 you get a smaller indie game that maybe you already own and then if there's also venom like that would be such a great like added value tidbit because i f- i feel like it's kind of a drop in the bucket in terms of uh 
you know them already they've they've I, they've already gotten their money's worth several times over on something like venom and i feel like tacking it on to uh playstation plus is just like hey you also get a movie that would be rad if they're like for an extra 2.99 you'll also get some movies from sony i'm just like no i have enough <laughs> subscription stuff already tacked I, I, on it's fine it's, like it's definitely gonna have to be something i think that is just additive to what we already have i, I think the second they're like yeah and for five more bucks like i'm out uh, mm-hmm. is especially because presumably again we'll find out more if you're watching the video version there's a logo that appeared on this like this is very clearly something that was in the works to some certain mm-hmm. extent and we'll probably find out more soon but it i do think it needs to be something that is adding on to your playstation plus subscription to give you more of a reason to have that and it it needs to be more than those three movies. But like, Mm -hmm. as long as it is a thing that's like, yeah, each month you get another movie and a TV show that you can watch or something like that. That's great. Like that, just to find more ways to add things. If it's, you know, the, the fifth season of CBS's SWAT that they produce at Sony (laughs) pictures, I am less inclined to care, but like, it'll definitely matter what they add to this, but it is, I, I think it's a smart approach when PlayStation has become such the dominant force at Sony uh compared to like their other entertainment brands and uh finding ways to integrate this stuff beyond spider-man into the playstation structure is probably a smart move the uh the logo looks like a razor blade right now so they should probably do something about that also yeah. I, I actually max you were saying like uh, like i i sort of like the like jack in the box is a trash tier uh fast food restaurant that has all these like 3 a.m stoner combo meals um where they they're just like hey you guys want teriyaki chicken and a taco and a double cheeseburger with jalapenos on it i feel like that's where playstation plus is going to be where they're like you get a ps5 game a ps4 game a psvr game and a movie (laughs) like all right sure great why why the the hell not mix it up i I mean it's it's interesting you look at sort of how the different streaming services are handling things and like uh i mean paramount plus's movie lineup kind of sucks and then uh you know but their tv show is their tv lineup is is massive and then you look at like amazon and like amazon prime video is like all, you also get free shipping on a bunch of crap you probably didn't need to order while you were on, on the toilet and then like like venom know. on yeah, dvd exactly. and then there's all, but then there's also like there's music and there's like audible stuff there's always there's all these different little tendrils of other things they've acquired and like the fact that sony does have like they have different wings like microsoft doesn't have this nintendo doesn't have this they don't have like a movie a movie portion whereas like sony does and it would be cool as hell if they managed to kind of maybe synergistically do something with that because a lot of people do watch movies on their playstation devices that's a reality that's a thing we've known about for quite some time at this point um yeah i don't know it's uh, remember do you remember when the playstation vita was about to come out and i think it was still being very rumored it was like the psp2 and there were like there were the two models. There was the Wi-Fi one, and there's also the 3G one, which you'd have to get a phone plan to use mobile stuff with. Meanwhile, there was also the Xperia Play, which was like the Sony Ericsson <laughs> yeah. mobile gaming phone. And people were like, wait, which is the PlayStation phone? And it was just it right. was like one of those things where it's like you have you have this company with two different arms doing two very similar things, but no one's talking to each other in the right sense. It was a totally baffling you know, situation there where like some in a perfect world, you know, Sony could have come out and be like, hey, we made a PlayStation phone. You could play PlayStation one games on it and also new indie games. Check it out and also call your mom. And it's like that didn't happen. We didn't have that. We had like a weird two sort of half half baked handheld situations. And I, I don't know, <laughs> like maybe, you know, get get people from the PlayStation side of things on the Sony picture side of things and be like, hey, uh, I mean, if they were like for an extra five bucks a month, you get everything that Sony Pictures is doing. I would be intrigued you know if it was on top of the existing playstation plus subscription uh another thing maybe people who have playstation plus don't want to pay a full price subscription to watch 
uh, Spider-Man on Netflix or The Last of Us on HBO Max. Maybe they have some like, you know, clause in the contracts that makes those things happen where they're like, also, we want to put those on our platform as well. Like if they come out and they're like, hey, great news, everybody, uh, The Last of Us, The Last of Us 2, and also the first three episodes of The Last of Us HBO series are on PlayStation Plus this month. That would get people mm -hmm. talking about The Last of Us. And it would, you know, I, yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, something like Bloodshot as an added value is probably content quality wise equal to one of the D tier Xbox 360 games get, that gets thrown into games with gold every month. Like, I love this. I think this is awesome. You find a bunch of old garbage in, in, in the garage and you repurpose, you put it all on the table, you repurpose it. I'm into it. Well, uh, if, if you loved Maquette, you'll love Venom on PlayStation <laughs> Plus this month. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, we'll, we'll obviously see again, given our luck, this will definitely be announced in between when we record and when this episode goes up. So feel free to laugh at us in the comments. But uh, yeah, if, if it becomes real, we'll talk about it more in the future. Uh, Brian, I know you're on a bit of a timetable, so if you need to bounce, please just say so and, and we can let you bounce at any point. Um, but just to sort of wrap up, wanted to briefly touch on what we're playing and just because of time constraints, uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Anything, uh, you've been playing recently that you wanted to shout out? Sure. Uh, I played the Resident Evil 8 demo over the weekend, uh, in that bizarre window of eight hours between like 5 PM and 3 AM with a 30 minute time limit exclusively on PlayStation products. Um, you know. The, the way you're supposed to experience marketing Games. devices. <laughs> yeah, I totally uh, missed it. So I'm, I'm curious and to hear what you thought. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I'm not I'm not in love with the way that was rolled out. But once I played it, I enjoyed it. I hate playing guns uh, games with a gun in my head, with a timer over me, especially, you know, a horror like survival horror game where I want to creep around and look at everything. I, I think I talked about when we when they put that first demo out a couple months ago, I spent like most people can beat that thing like 10 minutes. And I think I spent like an hour and, and 15 minutes with it, just kind of poking around, looking at textures, picking up items and rotating them. And there's so much of that in Resident Evil that I love. Uh, this demo is awesome. It um, really shows sort of the breadth of what this game is going to be doing here. It gave me like really awesome sort of vintage folk horror movie uh, vibes, which I'm I'm really into that genre. When Midsummer came out a couple years ago, I kind of did a deep dive on Wicker Man and uh, you know what is Blood from Satan's Claw and a bunch of there's all these just like insane old uh, sort of vintage horror movies that take place in a in a very kind of like weird you know helpless scenario where a guy shows up to a town and was like what's going on here and then finds out that everyone is terrible and in a cult um resident evil 4 does that extraordinarily well resident evil 5 does that less well but still pretty well uh and this game is awesome like you show up in this in this incredibly detailed dilapidated place that is sort of run down overgrown with tall weeds and there are just locked doors everywhere it's just like immediately there's all these different directions you can go all these different uh things you can interact with horrible people um just rusted run down old environments and items and stuff like that um I love it. I love it so much. I think that the setting is going to be really, really cool. Uh, it, it The demo does a really good job of showing off um, interacting with items, um, finding weapons. There's a bit of crafting in there that I believe you can do. I didn't get to do it in the time, but I picked up a lot of parts. Uh, you know, there's weird old doors that can only be opened with uh, random shapes and devices. There's combat, uh, which they throw a bunch of awful leaping werewolf men at you in the tall grass. It 
I'm I, I I'm not like I don't jump scare a lot, but there was definitely like <laughs> I got to get the f out of here as fast as possible. Um, it's just fun. It's super cool. Uh, they bring you into a a, a a sort of small house where there's a a bunch of sort of survivors uh, kind of banding together to stay alive. One of them has been bitten or hurt. Um, you can guess how that goes. Uh, and so, yeah, I love this. I, I'm, I'm done looking at this game now. I, I don't think I'm going to look at any more promotional material. I don't want to see any more demos. I know they're, uh, you're going to, they're going to make more demos readily available. There's a people. second uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a second one coming. I'm, I, I plan on reneging everything I'm saying right now and downloading <laughs> it, but, um, I'm sold. I'm so into this. I still don't really like Ethan as a protagonist. I feel like it, he does that thing that every Resident Evil character does where by, you know, this is his now second time spending 30, 40 hours in a place that is overrun with awful. And he's still just constantly. And, and Leon did this. Chris has done this. Jill's done this where they're like, what the heck was that? <laughs> like, there's just it's like nothing should surprise you anymore. Honestly, man, um, I'm not crazy about him as a protagonist, but I don't care. He is a he's a vessel for this world, which I will be interacting with in first person, as you all will, because that's the way the game's designed. I think that that tells does like a really good job of helping to tell the story here. Um, I, I think that like Resident Evil 7 being based primarily in like a two pretty enclosed environments um, was sort of like a, a, a narrative handcuff that, you know, it, 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 you were kind of like, why would you spend this much time here? You are looking for someone, but here it's like, you are in this massive sprawling place. There are mountains in the distance. There are castles in a different distance. There are different winding paths that you can hypothetically go down. I'm so in, I can't wait for this game. Um, I, I really, really can't wait for this game to come out. That's all. I, I just got a, I got a question for you. How long did it take you to download the demo? Uh, really quickly. Like it was, it was quick. It was, more, it was more, than, it's, more than half an hour or less than half an hour. No, ruin, less than that. You're ruining his joke here. I, I know. Feel, I'm yeah. on, you're on fiber internet. No, I feel, I feel like that's that. Yeah. I didn't, unsurprisingly, I also didn't get a chance to play it. I'm, I think it's a very odd approach because I can't imagine anyone who is, on the fence about this game obviously like the demo is a bunch of fan service because only a fan yeah. of this would go through the trouble of figuring out what time zone the game was available in for them and that they could download it and then spend the time to download it and then rush through it in 30 minutes just such an odd like i don't know i feel like if you're trying to get people on board with this uh fairly kooky locale for a otherwise very proven series maybe make it more accessible maybe make it easier for people to check it out and play it Maybe make a smaller demo that you can play more. I guess that's that's what's coming out, but yeah. You shouldn't need an infographic, basically. And I don't want to complain about like a, a free thing that a company ultimately let me experience, but it is a, a demos are a marketing tool. Um, and I I don't think you should need an infographic to explain how and when and where and why and what. No, I mean, let's <laughs> let's be realistic here. They successfully created the digital version of waiting in line to play this at PAX East. Yes, that's yeah. So there it is. Except no, uh, nobody farted on me. That's yeah. I mean, you have a kid. That you know of. Um, that's true. My yeah, kid no, has I, farted I'm, on me. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm so stoked on this game. I didn't. I don't. I don't know if I said this. I actually. I think I forgot. Well, I was on paternity. Was it on paternity leave? I played through the 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 new one or the the old the seven whatever. But the seven the yeah. mansion one. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I heated your advice, Brian. And one. the second I got to the boat, I was like, I will stop playing. And I watched the rest of it on YouTube. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't play that it looked like a lot of muddy tunnels which are not the best part of that game but that was a cool as hell mm -hmm. game it was a good time yeah a lot of fun um i'm right there with you on ethan i think he's uh, he's just a i think he's kind of a wiener kid 
<laughs> he is. Yeah. As Brian said, I feel like he is definitely the vessel to explore the rest of this. I, I wish they could make him a little more interesting since, you know, he's not like a silent protagonist. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way as Max. Uh, I, I missed it as well. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to just jump into this. I like we're we're so close. I keep forgetting it is like two weeks away at this point. But um, this is this has me excited in a way that I haven't been for uh, a horror game, especially in quite some time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Between um, this and Returnal, it's like this is the, these are like two games that are extremely my ish, and yeah. I'm I'm I, it's like finally some food, you know, like, <laughs> finally, <laughs> yeah uh max what about you anything uh you've been playing that you want to uh it's been a for? it's been a light a light gaming week and a very heavy diaper week so i've been kind of Fair. busy with that but uh <laughs> more disco elysium still chipping away at that game i really love it uh i think the load times are borderline unforgivable like that is a very good mm. game at its core but it is also a predominantly text-based like fairly low poly unity game that has you going back and forth and talking to different people and there's a part I'm at where you have to go. Basically, there's like the downstairs bar and then there's a person who's up on one of the top floors and to get from and you, you basically go back and forth and you're like, well, so and so said this. Did so and so say this to you? And you do the whole comparison. Good cop, bad cop thing. To go between these people, there are, I think, four or five load screens, which are not in substantial load times, which I just I feel like. I'm I'm totally willing to be like, hey, this isn't a dedicated PS5 game. This is a PS4 game that's running on PS5. It's, you know, it's a PC game. Maybe it wasn't optimized. The controls are a little bit weird. It's just, it it is, it's such a good game and I want to keep powering through it. But like having to put the controller down and just like straight up wait for a, a load screen to burn through is like not what I was hoping for from next gen. And I don't know. I feel like it's just bad optimization at this point. And I, like, I don't know how to make games, but like, like, look at this game and tell me that, like, this shouldn't have negligible load times on a right. next gen console. It's yeah, just, that's annoying. Uh, yeah, it's kind For of, sure. it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So, um, I hopefully can get back into that. I did mess around a bit more in FF14. Um, I don't know if I'll stick it out. I really want to. I that. What about the guild? <laughs> <laughs> I might, if that, if that, if we do that, I might, I might be able to try to hop in and stuff, but, um, I, it does a thing, and it's really hard for me to kind of uh, explain this. It does a thing that I hate in video games where it doesn't feel like a real place. Like it feels like it's levels, not a space. And I keep getting lost because it's laid out like it's laid out like a, a fake castle. Like it doesn't feel like it, it's not that it doesn't feel lived there. It feels like it wasn't designed for people to live there. And I, I have a hard time kind of... Uh, properly for obviously it's not an issue because millions of people have had a great time in that game and obviously it's my problem but uh i don't know there's yeah there's like the, there's a bit in punch drunk love where adam sandler gets like lost in an apartment complex and he's just running around going to different doors and he's like freaking out imagine that but it's like a gnome in a castle and that was what i was doing so there are i will say there are a ton of like hey look at this point on your mini map or just thousands of doorways to go through to get to the same places or levels that you're not expecting to climb through so i could i can dev definitely very much sympathize with that yeah I've, I've i've played a bit because my my girlfriend surprisingly fell in love with it she's level 45 now um and is just just absolutely loving it she's playing i think a monk uh and really enjoying it so i've been i've been a healer for her team and and it, it is definitely something that works with friends so yeah if we can work to maybe get a beyond guild together that could be uh, carry a fun my ass i keep it. getting killed by toads and lost in the hallway 
we'll save you from those toads. I've got great healing spells and nothing else. Uh, but that's about going to do it for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, thank you, Brian and Max, so much for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I am at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle and Max is at Max Scoville. Uh, thank you so, so much to Red, our producer, as always, for helping to make this show run, even when the programs we use don't want it to. Uh, and of course, thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching to uh, this wonderful show that we love to make for all of you. Uh, we hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond.